0: This is Nursing in America. Each week, we speak with incredible Filipino nurses who have taken the leap to start a new life in the United States. If you're thinking about doing the same, then this is the place you'll find all the insider knowledge and inspirational success stories to realize your own American dream.
1: Hi, everybody, and welcome. Welcome, everybody. We this is the fifth LaFora talk show, and we are so excited this morning. We have Miss Jean joining us. Jean, we're lucky we, we are so happy that you were able to sort out your internet this morning. Jean had an internet problem, right? It says it says I don't have an internet connection. Oh my goodness. Well, you are here now, so we are happy to have you here. And then we are also joined by two new exciting guests. Well, not new to LaFora, but new to the LaFora talk show. Um, Two guests. We have Yanni, who's joining us. Hi, Yanni. Hey, Tanya. Good to see you. And good to see you. And we also have Giselle, who's joining us. Hi, Giselle. Maybe turn on your audio while Giselle is, is, is working on that, we want to welcome everybody. We are really excited. Today is our fifth Lafora talk show, and um, we have two new guests on today um, who are going to be sharing their experience with you. So let's get started. Giselle, can you hear us now? Oh, I think Giselle's having a, a problem. Maybe log in and log out again, Giselle, and make sure that your volume is turned up. Okay, so before we get started, just um, to share with everybody, um, oh yes, my name is Tanya Friedman (laughs) and I'm the Chief Operating Officer of Kinetics USA Um, and um, the reason why we are doing the LaFora talk show once a month um, is we were wanting a place, a safe place for everybody to share their experiences. We've seen how many, how LaFora has grown, which is the most wonderful, welcoming, one incredible community. Um, And I think it's really important for those nurses who are in the U.S. already to share with nurses who have not yet arrived in the U.S. their experience coming to the US at the best of times is is an exciting but also can be a very difficult experience um, and I think that it's really important for those nurses who have been in the um, who' been in the uh, the US for a while to share their, ex- their experience to share their advice so that they can help prepare those of you who have not yet arrived in the US because very often nurses, you know, kind of think of getting to the U.S. as the American dream, of course, and just never really thinking further than, than, um, than when they arrive in the U.S. But there's a whole journey ahead of you. So learning from those around you is really, really important. I seem to have lost everybody. Um <laughs> I'm not sure what happened. I think Giselle has a weak connection. Maybe that's what seems to be happening. But um, we'll start with with Yanni and Jean um, while we're waiting for for Giselle to to join us. And Yanni, do you want to maybe share with us your experience before you came to the US, just your history as a nurse? Tell us a little bit about yourself. Well,
2: (laughs) I have worked as a registered nurse for I would say five years. I applied as an immigrant in year 2009 through a staffing agency. It was a lot of ups and downs because if you guys recall, it was during that time where we had a lot of retrogressions. So during that time, I, I, I felt that it wasn't just meant for me. So I w- I would say I gave up like three times and then, you know, went back to pursuing the American dream once more. There were also things that my agency did wrong, but I'll discuss that later. Anyway, I had to go through being abandoned by an employer and then to being interviewed by other employers who wanted somebody with more than seven years of experience until finally um, this employer found me and he was just looking for somebody with at least three years of experience. Um Everything moved forward in 2014, but during that time, I didn't have enough funds yet. So I had to work. Um, I managed to balance having two jobs. I was a nurse in the morning and I did um, BPO work at night. I worked as a tech support representative and eventually got promoted to email specialist, operations management desk analyst, simultaneously while working as a nurse during the day. I was in my twenties and I was feeling invincible. It was finally in 2016, that everything moved forward really fast. And also I had my funds already. So I arrived in the US, November 4, 2016. Um, I had to endure going through the reciprocity process, I would say twice, because I did the Northern Manus Islands route before um, proceeding to getting a North Dakota license. At the moment, I am licensed in Northern Manus Islands, um, North Dakota, and California.
1: Okay. So, Yanni, if you think back to the time when you were in the Philippines, did you lose hope at certain times? Did you ever think that you would really get here?
2: Yes, three times I lost hope. (laughs) Three times I would cry. And then I would pick myself up in the morning and talk myself into going through the process because having to go through the retrogression, you know, it would it meant requirements expiring and having to renew them. IELTS is not cheap. CGFNS. Um, what's this? The visa screen certificate wasn't cheap. Um, having to go through getting all the requirements all over again just because they've expired. it It costs a lot of money. So a lot of times. A lot of times I would have to think ahead, strategize, especially since I was working two jobs and then making sure I get to reviews, show up for exams on time and all that. So yes, there were times I lost hope. There were times I thought it was never gonna happen until it moved forward in 2014, until I went through a series of job interviews and until finally, you know, I was told that my visa was current, blah, blah, blah. Um, This is my interview date my pedos date and so on and so forth and then it dawned on me oh my god time is flying so fast this is really it i am leaving
1: and that was it in 2016 a great moment right a moment to celebrate yes Jean? yes
2: it was a an you know like it wasn't a happy moment at the same time a moment filled with anxiety in a way because you know it's a big move yeah you're not just moving to any country you know you're not just moving to any place in the philippines you're moving to a different country different culture different laws and you have to study a lot of things you have to do a lot of research because you know you don't want to exactly make the wrong moves while you're in a different country you don't want to go around breaking any laws yeah real
1: or you know perceived. of course Yes. And, and I think the seriousness of the move probably dawned on you at that moment. Do you, Jean, do you remember that moment when you realized that finally you were going to be able to make that move? Yeah.
3: <clears throat> yes. Uh, like, I was so excited to come here in America. Mm-hmm. But, but my, my, my process is just so easy and it was so quick. So I really have don't, uh, don't have any anxieties like what the other nurses have experienced. I'm just so lucky enough to have that expedited process.
1: Yeah. So, if there's anybody who's watching, like Jean, who's had an expedited process, um, you have to be really grateful because I think most people can probably relate a little bit more to Yanni, where it's really been a, a, a roller coaster, roller coaster of, of things happening, things going wrong, just an emotional, you know, frustrating feeling upset, angry, excited, all, all in one, all mixed into one into one bag. Yanni, t- I, we seem to have lost Giselle. I'm so sorry about that, Giselle. Perhaps you can join us for the next Lafora talk show. Um, I think Giselle has a weak connection, so that's why he hasn't been able to join us. Um, so Yanni, um, can you share with us maybe a little bit about those first few days, like as you got off the plane, what was that like for you?
2: You know how all immigrants always have this envelope. You know you're supposed to be carrying that envelope because when you go through customs and all that. In my case, I landed in San Diego, and you know, not to brag, it really was an easy process. There were only four of us. You know, they were like, um, "What address do you want the green card sent to?" And all that. And at that time, I didn't have my apartment address yet because I still have to go through the processing of the reciprocity from my Northern Manus Islands license to North Dakota. While living in California, I, I was staying with my family for a month because processing was a month at that time. And everything was so easy. You know what I mean? It was A lot of it was like, oh my God, I got nervous for no good reason. Uh, the moment I landed, went through customs and all that, answered a few questions, and I mean very few questions. And then they had us sit outside, I'd say, for 30 minutes to an hour. And after that, I was done. And I'm not sure how uh, how this goes for smaller airports, but San Diego is one of those airports that are like, if you don't have a credit card, and I came to the US without a credit card, and I can honestly attest, um, it's not always a necessity in that sense, as long as you've got the cash with you. But for other people, the situations are different. Their situation is different. For me, I just went to a ready card machine. A ready card machine is basically where you put in some money and it will spit out a card. So that cash was converted to a debit card and you can use it to swipe wherever. So that was that. And then obviously, I did not have, um, you know, I had my cell phone from the Philippines, which wasn't an iPhone. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't an iPhone of any sort, it wasn't a Star Mobile phone. So, um, once I landed, once everything was done, I called my cousin using one of the airport phones and you can use, you can use that phone to dial any number and, you know, the cell phones would automatically recognize it as an airport phone. And that's how um, I was able to inform my family that I already arrived and all that. Uh, I had to ask that question because when I asked, when I asked one of the um, receptionists, like where can I find an airport phone? And that was the moment it dawned and I'm no longer in the Philippines because I'm asking for an airport phone. I repeated <laughs> that question three times and they gave me a very weird look. And I said, you know, and I just explained, I'm so sorry if it seems like I'm a little crazy but that's the way I'm feeling because it's my first time here. But yeah, so yeah, that's when it truly dawned on me. Oh my God, I'm not in the Philippines anymore. And I won't be going back
1: anytime soon. <laughs> A surreal moment, right? And and yes, I think it is. It, it's interesting that you spoke about how you went to go ask somebody at the, the airport because I think one mm, of yes. the things I certainly experienced this when I came to the US twenty years ago is it's really scary, you know, to have to go and ask people where you don't know what's going on and you don't kind of in, understand your environment. Gene, you spoke last night about assertiveness. Being assertive and confident is really a, a big part of coming to the US. Can you give us an example today of where you think somebody should be assertive?
3: <laughs> uh, my example for that assertiveness is that like when you like uh when you are working in the in uh, in the floor, you have you have like supposedly you're only gonna get like four or five patients, but then you are understaffed and uh so they have uh, your supervisor or your head nurse has given you seven or eight patients so it's like you you are not you, you don't feel safe so don't don't just stay and you, don't just stay quiet in your in your corner there uh like say talk to your talk to your supervisor or head nurse that this is unsafe i don't feel safe because i have like one patients that i'm doing q2 hours vital signs i have another patient who is on heparin drip i have like it's so it's so difficult to manage seven or eight or nine patients in 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 that short span of time like 12 hours so you have to talk to your supervisor that you don't feel safe you that and and here in Texas, you can you can invoke the safe harbor. So don't be don't be just stay quiet and say yes on everything. So talk talk to them and and tell them that you are not safe and you need to, and the supervisor has to do something something on like that. Well,
1: that's yeah. it? I think that's a great example. And I think, as Yanni said as well, whether it's you in the airport and you have to ask a question because you don't understand how things work or whether you're in the work environment and you need to speak to a supervisor and speak up, I think that's one of the hardest things for so many um, people who just arrive in the U.S. is because culturally that's not really the norm. Paul and and Giselle have joined us now. Hi, Paul. Hi, Giselle. (laughs)
4: Good morning, guys. Giselle,
1: can you hear us now? Oh. Giselle? Can you hear us now, Giselle? Giselle seems to be having a connection yeah. issue. Yeah, I think my, my <laughs>
4: internet connection is not really working perfectly right now. So
1: Okay, ahead, okay. Guys. Well, we we happy to...
4: Yeah, we can hear we, you. are happy
1: that you can hear. You might want to turn up your volume a little bit, Giselle. While Giselle's doing that call, did I see our, our LaFora talk show mascot, Eva, join us now?
4: <laughs> yeah. Well, she already <laughs> went inside. <laughs> she was here earlier, yeah.
1: She's so cute. <laughs> Giselle, can you hear us now? Ah Yes, Miss
5: Tanya, I can hear you now.
1: Okay, maybe turn your volume up as high as you can. If you want to maybe share with us, Giselle, Um, Yanni just shared her experience, um, just her history of, as a nurse and, and um, what it was like when she first arrived in the US. I think it's interesting also because Yanni comes from, um, she came directly from the Philippines. Um, and she went to work in in a nursing home in long term care. Um, and Joselle, your story is is quite different, right? And Yanni's been here; it's four years, right, Yanni? Yep, I've been here four yeah. years. Yeah. And Joselle, I think it's just a year, correct?
5: Uh, I would say less than two years for me to get here, almost so. years,
1: Okay. Okay. So tell us a little bit about your history, Giselle, and, and uh, coming to the U.S.
5: All right. So I started dreaming going to when I was, you know, in college studying nursing. It was like 2009. I graduated in 2010. Um, I took the NPLEX uh, 2016. I needed to go to the Middle East first, just like Miss Yanni, I didn't have the enough funds for me to you know, to process uh, the NPLEX and the IELTS and the, the screen. So I went to the to the Middle East, to United Arab Emirates, so and earn money and you know uh, proceed with the NPLEX. So luckily, I was able to pass the NPLEX, two thousand sixteen, December two thousand sixteen, and then I applied to an agency. Uh, I got my priority date, 2017, and then it got current early 2019. And August of 2019, which was last year, uh, I arrived here in the States. So it's been a year since
1: I got here in the States. Wow. Do Do you think that it helped you, Giselle, that you lived in another country outside of the philippines before you came to the us do you think that made a difference for you well it kind of
5: helped me because i needed to deal with you know different culture uh, mm-hmm. although it, you know the the arab culture is kind of it's it's a lot different from the Amer- american culture but the 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 common denominator is I needed to deal with different kinds of people. So yeah, it, it kind of helped me, you know, working in the, in, in the United, United Arab Emirates or in the Middle East. So that kind of helped me uh, do my transition, you know, from one country to another country.
1: Yeah. And I, I think maybe also it, it just gives you kind of the the confidence to know that you've, you've done it once even though it's a different culture, you've gone through that transition once and, and that you can be adaptable in that way. Um, can you share with us your, your first few days in the US, what that was like?
5: All right. So, well, I needed to do some basic stuff like applying for the security number. I didn't know what happened. Uh, I think it should be automatic that when someone arrives in the airport, the you know the officer, uh, should have applied you for the SSN, but I didn't know what happened to my SSN, but uh, there was a delay. So uh, when I called the uh, Social Security uh, Administration, they told me that uh, nobody applied for, for, for my SSN. So what I needed to do was to go to the Social Security office so that I can apply my Social Security number personally. And then I... N- Needed to do my fingerprint for my uh, endorsement, for my license endorsement, since my original license is Texas license. Uh, I have done that as well. And uh, I tried to uh, visit some places here in Mariano, Florida. By the way, I live in Mariano, Florida. So it's, it's, a layback area because I wanted to see what kind of people do they have in here and you know I'm just trying to be uh, acclimated to although it's not really soon enough I, I got acclimated to to weather to, to the to the people around here we also visited the uh, hospital uh, We were able to meet the managers of different uh, units and we were able to meet the CEO and the CNO of of the hospital. So those were the first few days uh, of my stay here in Mariana, Florida.
0: I hope you're enjoying the podcast so far. If you know a friend or colleague who would benefit from listening to this conversation, please let them know about the show. We wanna help as many nurses as we can turn their dreams into a reality. If you're thinking about making the step to living and working as a nurse in the USA, we can help you. Head over to kineticsusa.com to find out more. That's kineticsusa.com.
1: So the first few days, it seems, are really just trying to kind of get like situated. It's like the um, you know the the cell phone, the social security license endorsement, maybe a tour of the place that you're going to be working. Can either of you share or, or Gino and Paul any funny stories or experiences from when you first arrived? Well, yeah,
2: that was one. Um, it's very important when you know when you arrive, even though you're not feeling, even though you don't feel like it, you're not feeling confident, it's very important you ask questions when you don't know. Cause I didn't know about the ready card machine until I asked. Turns out the person I asked, um, he worked at the airport. He was from Manila. And then when I asked about the airport phone and all that, uh, luckily, during Pidos and my agency, uh, we were always in touch. So the moment I landed, um, my family picked me up and all that. The next day, I I processed my Social Security. um, And once you get the number, because you don't need the card, you just need the number, I immediately opened a bank account because while you might not have a credit card right away, but a debit card, a debit card is of the utmost importance. Even though you don't have a credit card right away, you must have a debit card. And in my case, that was US bank. This was in 2016. I feel that's still good advice um, at the moment. Um, What's, as far as the, the funny stories, I suppose, I would just say, for the most part, there are just times I seem dazed and confused. You know, not not like my residents, but it's more of like during the first during my first few days in the U.S., I had I suffered from jet lag. My body didn't know when to sleep, when not, you know, when to stay awake. And then you cross over that point where you're feeling either hungover or tipsy because you're in that moment between lack of sleep or having too much sleep. Uh, there was also that funny moment in a, in a restaurant my family and I were eating I forgot that we were in the US so I did not speak in English <laughs> I spoke to the waiter in my native Sabwano tongue <laughs> so yeah, that's, like I said, it took a while it took a while for it to dawn on me that yeah, I am in the U.S. I mean, I may be waiting for my North Dakota license, but yes, I am in the U.S. By the time my North Dakota license arrived, and North Dakota is a different culture altogether. It's my first time in winter. I was shivering all the way. Everybody was looking at me funny. I It was my first time the cold. was my first time with 40 degrees. It was my first time in, what, with 10 degrees. Um, I landed at the airport. And then... I stayed with a friend's house and the next day the director of nursing picked me up. Um, And we drove through a snowstorm after we shopped for supplies. We drove through a snowstorm, uh, went to my apartment, and then my very first meal was actually Lucky Me, ramen. Like the Lucky Me, I think that was beef, ramen. That was my first meal on my own in North Dakota. And of course, later on, you know, we went on to tour the facility and blah, blah, blah. But yeah, that's, I don't know. I find it ironic that that's my first meal. it That's when it really dawned on me. And I had no furniture, nothing. I guess it's one of the reasons that I like sitting on the floor, even though I have a bed. Okay.
1: But yes. Um, well, the, the one thing that I think is really important um, to talk about, because we, you know, when we share our initial experiences in the U.S., is that coming to the, to the U.S. before the coronavirus was difficult in itself, as Yanni, Giselle, Jean, Paul, myself have, have shared with you, but coming to the U.S. In, in, at this time is even more difficult because, you know, there's so many things, Yanni, you spoke about, like, the, um, the, uh, the, the credit card or, or cash. I mean, right now, nobody wants to touch cash. So if you haven't got a credit card. Yep.
2: Nobody wants- yeah. Or, like, you know, a debit card, because there's no way you can get a credit card on your first day in the U.S. Hence the reason you get your Social Security, open a bank account right away, get a debit card right away. They'll give you a temporary debit card, and then, you know, the real debit card arrives later on in the mail. Because as long as you have that, you can use it to swipe, you can use it to order online, you know, um, and then you can link it to PayPal, Venmo, Cash App, especially if you live in the bigger cities where nobody wants to touch cash and they just want to use their phones for payment. So,
4: Yeah.
1: Paul, it looks like you were going to say something.
4: Oh, yeah, we're we're talking about funny things that uh, we've experienced. Well, um, I stayed my first week in San Francisco before I moved to um, uh, before I moved to um, Texas. So my first few days in San Francisco was really fun. Um, One of the things that I can remember that was really funny was um, so me and my friend were walking around San Francisco and we were hungry. So we went to like a uh, what you call that, like. um, like a like you know in the mall there's like a lots of restaurants like inside a food court what you call that a like food court where you eat like a yeah. food court yeah. Yeah. yeah food court oh my God I <laughs> forgot that but yeah I haven't been to a food court for so long but we went to a food court and so we started eating and then after I ate um, I stood up and started leaving and she's like hey excuse me you're in America you should put out your tray she told me that I was like what? She's like, you're supposed to put out your tray and clean out your table. I was like, are you freaking joking or are you kidding me or what? She's like, no, that's how you really do. That's what we're. That's what we really do here. So I started observing people around, and they started cleaning their tables. So that was kind of odd for me, because coming from the Philippines, you know, people would clean up your tables after you leave. That was. Kind of funny, and then another one from my clinical experience. On my first day at work, I was in the ER, um, so my preceptor told me, um, "Okay, let's do a straight cath to the patient. Let's do an in and out catheter so we can collect urine." I was like, "Sure, I can do that." So um, I went to the stock room and started pulling out, you know, uh, materials. Like I pulled out a Foley catheter, I took out gloves, and then lubricant so i took it to the room and she's like hey what are you doing i was like i'm i'm gonna do a sorry it's a little bit windy here in Houston, but i said um i'm gonna do a um an in and out she's like no we have a kit i was like what kit is that and she's like well let me show you so we went to the stock room and there's a kit that has everything including a urine cup and and gloves like you just literally have to open it up and set it up and there you go. Well, I was. I told her, well, I'm used to the Philippines where we don't have kids like that. We have to gather each equipment, um, I mean, supplies individually and take them to, to the patient. So that was kind of weird to me, but it's also funny because they were laughing at me and they were like, oh, Paul was pulling supplies individually. Didn't know there was a kid. I was like, well, we didn't have that in the Philippines. But yeah, that's funny for me.
1: Very. And, and I think we've just got to keep our sense of humor, right? Because you know, you can kind of feel like a little bit. It, sometimes it's funny. Sometimes you feel a little embarrassed because you didn't know. But how could you know? There are just so right. many things that are different, both clinically and culturally. Right, Yanni. What we seem to have lost, Giselle. I'm so sad. I, I think his connection is is very weak. But Yanni, tell us uh, from your side clinically, what was the biggest difference that you encountered when you came to live in the u.s
2: there are many and i work in a small town i work in a very rural area with a population it used to be 5000 2016 right now it's 6,689. Um, 689. anyway i used to work in cebu and i used to work in um, a tertiary hospital where we had plum sets, pneumatic tube thing. So I came to North Dakota, I came to this small town expecting the same. So when we had to correct um, uh, like a UA sample, a stool sample, whatever, I seriously didn't expect the fact where at some point we were the ones who brought um, the specimens to the hospital lab or, you know, we were the ones to store them in the fridge or bring them to the lab because I was used to it in the hospital where we had pneumatic tubes. And we just put them in the pneumatic tube chambers and then, you know, punch in the code for the lab and then off they went. So that's one. Um, Another is the sense of urgency. It becomes different when you're dealing with um, dementia residents, uh, geriatric residents. Um, An example would be, you know, code status. There's code one, code two and then code three. The sense of urgency lessens if that person is a code three. like for example, if the person um, had a stroke or if the person, um, what's this, had a fracture, because where I'm from, I'm used to it that like, if that person, regardless of age, has a fracture or had a a definite change in condition, we send them to the ER right away and all that. But when you call the on-call, especially here, the moment they're like, oh, she's code three, um, call the family and see what they want, if they still want to send that person to the ER, or just you know, because normally code three is just comfort cares. So call family and see if they want anything changed, or do they want to just keep the person comfortable? And technically speaking, if the person's in their 80s and 90s, you would want to keep them comfortable. So it took me a while to adjust to that. Another is like what Paul said, the kits. Now, if you work in big hospitals in the US, you have Um, your your straight calf kits, your foley calf kits, you have your tracheal kits and all that. But here in the nursing home, we rarely get transitional care patients. You know, the ones with um, feeding tubes, trachs, um, all the attachments. We rarely get that because for the most part, we get either geriatric residents, psych residents, dementia residents, and older residents, but are for therapy, meaning they're only there for short term. So... And for us in the nursing home, we don't have trach kits. You know where you have a, a tracheal kit where you can clean and all that for tracheostomies, tubes, and what. We don't have that. Like what Paul said, we have to pull the supplies, you know, or memorize and then pull them one at a time. Whereas in the bigger hospitals, you you have those trach kits. We do have the Foley cath kits. We do have straight cath kits. Um, another thing that really surprised me was tracheal care. Because in the Philippines, we're used to using, you know, um, sterile plain NSS or sterile solution. And in the rural areas in the U.S., and I kid you not, you can Google this, you can find this in university studies, they use tap water. And especially if you Google where I live, which is Valley City, which they tout as um, the town with the best tasting tap water in the entire North Dakota, but actually has 12 contaminants based on the EWG website. So you'll be surprised that a lot of nurses, a lot of LPNs actually use tap water <laughs> to do a rinse of the tracheostomy tube before using plain NSS. So it was, was a huge shock to me as well. Because we always use plain NSS no matter what. And that's just you know some of the examples.
1: Wow. That's that's a lot of examples. That's a lot of things that are that are different. Um and just to remind everybody that Yanni's working in a, a skilled nursing long-term care facility so um it might you know the experiences that you might have obviously would be would be different in a hospital Paul or Jean what might be different that you experience in a hospital as opposed to what Yanni's just expi- what just explained in the nursing home where she's working
3: Uh for me cuz I work in the Philippines in a secondary hospital when I was still there I only work for a couple of months, like six months, I think. And then I, I I came here in the USA after that. So when I arrived here, there are a lot of like new to me, like all those, all those uh, pump, pump infusion pumps, all those, uh, what else? Oh, we don't have, we, we don't have trach, trach patients in, in, in the secondary hospital. And also, we have a little like we call a critical an ICU, but it's not really ICU, because if the the patient goes down, then we have to send them to the to to the City in the tertiary hospital right away. So when I came here, everything is different. So all all the equipments and all the procedures, uh, not the basic ones, but all the equipments are kind of new to me, and it, it is a it is a a uh, big challenge to me to learn that, but, but, it, but uh, it, it is a good
1: uh, learning skills. Yeah, so different, some similarities with Yanni, but a lot of differences, actually. And Paul, what about
4: you? Oh, yeah, well, my experience in the Philippines is from a very small um, ER hospital in a rural setting. So when I came here to the U.S., well, my, my city, my previous city where I started is actually not not that big. We serve a lot of Medicare patients and, and um, uninsured patients. Uh, but um, there, there's a lot of things that I had to learn skills-wise just because I don't know how to use their equipment. Um, say, for example, I work in a trauma center. So uh, we have the Level 1 infuser, Rapid 1 infuser, which can mass transfuse blood and fluids in 10 to 15 minutes. So that that's a skill that I had to learn. Um, uh, our chest tube that we were using in the Philippines were actually using bottles, like literally bottles. And when you move here to the States and you talk about bottles, the, the old nurses will be like, that's phased out 30 years ago. I was like, so we're still living in the 1980s in the Philippines. Well, <laughs> literally, um, um, here it's just a disposable atrium or plurivac that you just open up and hand over to the doctor. and. There's so many things that's really, really different. So when I started putting my IV the first time on my first day, I'm that type of a person where I'm, I'm assertive, like what we all been talking about earlier. And I wanted to do the job on the first day, right? Because I wanna, I wanna get acclimated fast. So uh, I put my IV, and fun. What's the, what's, what's funny was after I put in my IV cannula, I started holding down the vein because that's what we do. Because the vein will bleed, right? Because you put in an IV. Well, guess what? The IV that I was using, and I feel like, oh my God, this is technology. This is the future. It doesn't bleed. It has a valve. Like As soon as you put it in, it doesn't bleed. So my old preceptor, she's really a great ER nurse and she helped me acclimatize. She's been a nurse for 40 years, really, really awesome ER nurse. She's like, um i know what you're doing you're trying to stop the bleeding right well guess what this ivy won't bleed that's okay i know you're from the philippines and it's so much different over there and it was so funny for me but also uh, there's so many things that i had to learn but i really learned a lot from 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 um my exposure here in the ER. And I feel like we're so behind um, 30, 40 some years in the rural Philippines because we're still using stuff that they're no longer using here because it's not evidence-based and it's not the best practice. But then again, there's also advantages if you have worked in the Philippines prior. Because like, for example, I was working in my facility right now. Um, two weeks back, we had a major outage, right? six freaking hours the computer was out i was a triage nurse this is at the time where there were like 30 patients waiting to be triaged it was freaking crazy right so what we did was we had to stop all triaging except of course if there's life threatening situations which of course we take care of that first and had to revert to paper chart well i'm working with nurses with less than two years experience so i call them baby nurses right So all of them are freaking out. I heard one nurse said, I don't know how to use this, flipping the paper chart. I don't know what to write in here. (laughs) I don't know what to do. So I was like, okay, let me take the lead. This is what we're going to do, okay? (laughs) Too bad, Paul. (laughs) paper chart is my thing. That's, That's what I'm exposed to when I was in the Philippines, you know? So this is something not new to me. Yes, it can slow down the entire process in the hospital per, you know, communication by what, what the doctor ordered for which patient and what what labs will be done to which patient and what are the results for this, it will definitely slow down the process, but it should not stop what we were doing, right? We just have to revert to the manual way of doing things. Well, I guess that's that's the advantage of working in a, in a very rural third world country um, healthcare setting it's because I'm, I'm a very resourceful person. Like, I, I people would call me and be like, "Hey, how do you do this?" I'll like, "Well, let me show you my trick." Okay, we have the uh, tricks of the traits that I say to to new nurses, like what I would do in cases where, um, uh, like like how to troubleshoot IVs, how to make the IVs flow again without flushes. So it's stuff like that, like some things that you've learned when you actually practice in the Philippines that you bring over here. You know, like. You are very sourceful. You're not dependent with technology. I I remember one time that there was a crashing patient and the nurses are freaking out because they couldn't do a blood pressure on the freaking monitor and they changed the blood pressure cuff multiple times. This is almost going into a code. So I was like, well, get me the manual blood pressure cuff. And one of the baby nurses said, that's not accurate. I was like, that's what we were using for years. How would you say that's not accurate? It's actually work." those machines were based from. So let me do it and get it. And I I got the blood pressure. It was 60 palpatory. And some people don't know that skill no more because of technology. And there's advantages and disadvantages. Coming from third world to first world, you'll be overwhelmed with so many technological advances that we have here, how aggressive they are with treatments, and how assertive nurses should be. But then you being... A resourceful nurse can also contribute so much to the team. So I have so much to say, but we'll, we'll do that some other time.
1: <laughs> no, I love it. <laughs> I think this is so valuable for everybody watching because I think, as I, you know, as I said, the, the, that's what the, the, why the Lafora community is such a great community because it's really nurses helping nurses. Um, it, it's it's not just um negating what the experience that you had before as paul said that experience is 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 still valuable is important but when you come here there's so many things that are different not just on the clinical side but on living in the u.s and that's why i think the lafora talk show is just so valuable
0: i hope you enjoyed today's episode of nursing in america part two will be available next week so make sure you come back to join us then if you enjoyed the episode please help us by hitting the follow button on your podcast player and leaving us a review. If you're thinking about making the step to living and working as a nurse in the USA, we can help you. Head over to kinetics.usa.com to find out more. That's kineticsusa.com.